All right, so Andy and Sharom, thanks so much for joining us here. We're doing the Biotech and Breweries podcast. This is I'm going to tell you guys, you may not know this. This is my first time doing this live at an actual brewery. And we're, we've got you guys here at Embolden Brewing, and this is so much fun. So thanks, you both, for joining. I'm glad to be here. Thanks yeah. for having us. This yeah. is great. And the, one of the benefits, I think, of doing it live and in person is we get to try some special release or some stuff that's hot off the press from a beer standpoint. Yeah. So, no. Andy, I'd love to have you tell us about Embolden and give us a little bit of a rundown on the beers you've got here for us. Sure. So we're Embolden Beer Company, and we've been here since November of 2020. Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs since then, but... As they say, in good times and bad times, beer is one of the constant staples. So we've tried to really take it day by day and beer by beer. So I would love to introduce you to our first beer, which is something you can only get here at the tap room. So here at Embolden, we believe that obviously having amazing products out in the wild and everywhere, um, shout out Scout Distribution, thank you all. Um, they're great folks, um, taking us far and wide, but they don't get everything that we do. And you all are about to get something that um, very few people have gotten to try. So this right here that I've got for y'all is called Lights and Music. So we're very, very excited to have y'all try this one. It's called Lights and Music, um, named after the song of the same name. I hope that doesn't get me. I'm pretty sure that's not like suitable offense um, because it's also a great name for a beer. And we play that song here all the time, just like this is the type of beer that you could drink all the time. So it's a lager. But in the true West Coast style, it is dry hopped with mosaic hops. So when you brought these out, Jerome and I were looking at them and we're trying to guess what kind of beer it was. We didn't want you to spoil it. Right. And she guessed that it was, a, I think you said lager. I yeah. said lager or yeah. Pilsner. She was right. Smart. <laughs> Very incredibly smart. Oh, come um, on. It is, it is a lager and we dry hop this with mosaic hops so that the folks who are true San Diego fans, they're going to get that hit of hoppiness that we've grown accustomed to. It almost kind of feels weird these days to not have a little bit of that in it. But yeah, as you try it though, you'll notice a lager base, but then it's complemented by the hops and the hops shouldn't be overpowering. It should be that kind of all day. It's a heat wave here, by the way, if you're listening from out of state. So yeah. this is what I consider the perfect lead off beer. It's only get hotter from here. Should we Cheers, try folks. It? Yeah, Cheers. let's try it. What a great way to start. Yep, it's very nice, very light, very summery. You're right. So, what you're going to get is the hoppiness is going to be a lot more in the if this if this kind of translates in the flavor versus in the feeling. So when you the longer you boil the hops, the more hop oils are released, and the more hop oils released, that's that bitterness in the back of your tongue. We want to have a small amount of that, but have a more um, the more overwhelming sense be the smell and the flavor of the hops to complement the lager so that it becomes kind of a more elevated lager experience. Now, as you try your second sip, what I'm gonna do, or maybe discuss it behind my back, I'm going to run and actually grab an alternate second beer for us. <laughs> a secret second beer, because since you guessed the lager on this one, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and stump Jerome here. Oh, um, I let's think it'll do be it. it'll be fun. So she she nailed the first guess. Maybe if you guys would like to say whether or not you like it, while I'm not an earshot, I'm only find out later. I'm gonna try and uh, I'm gonna try and test you guys right. real quick. I like it. It's a little scary. We, Andy had brought out three beers for us to try, and now apparently he's going for a fourth. So we may have yeah. to try four beers here, which will be a first yep. for the for the podcast. 
This is good. It's uh, it's crispy. Yeah. And he's right. It, the the hoppiness doesn't linger. It's just up front. It tastes a little citrusy to me somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that too. Are you are you a light? Mm-hmm. Is this the type of beer that you would usually choose when you're when you have an occasional beer? When it's this warm, this when is the type warm, of beer I yeah. would go for. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you need something light um, right. and crispy and cold but i do like ipas and i do like what's coming up next the darker <laughs> beers too but summertime is tough yes. to drink a lot of those and we're we're a little spoiled i, I i'm not ashamed to say that i feel like i'm like san diego and san diego soft because oh. <laughs> you know i think most of the country experiences a much warmer hotter summer and here in san diego we're kind of spoiled in that when it gets to be above 80 degrees we we feel like it's hot, but yeah, we feel like it's but, melting. <laughs> but today is one of those San Diego hot days. All right, Andy's Andy's back. He's got a trio of of similar looking beers in complexion. Literally looks the same, okay. right? But I have a feeling it's not going to be the same. It is not the same, unless I made a horrific mistake and I should be fired immediately. <laughs> but so don't if if is I made this a mistake. How you're trying to stump us? Yes. Us so this is beer. how I'm going to try and stump you guys. So this is a different beer but with a a similar mentality. So something that we really like to do is flip expectations on their head a little bit. We don't want someone to come in and be very confused by their beer, but what I will tell you is the first one that y'all tried, can can you guess what style of beer the second one is? It's I after the first sip, it definitely is drier. It's a drier yes. it's a drier beer. I don't yes. know. Yes. Little, that is correct. Still a little hoppy. Yes. I don't get. I can't smell very much of it for some reason. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No, not a, much of the smell. I uh, I think I might be totally off the mark on this. Is this a, a rice lager? You know what? It is not. So that's what I'll tell guess. you is that's, a, that's a great guess. It's fantastic guess. Um, so what I basically have brought out. So this one right here inverts. So this is what we've dubbed a San Diego style IPA, which inverts the first beer in the sense that the first beer is a lager that is hopped similarly to an IPA. And the second one that you just tried is called Broken Record. It's our San Diego style IPA. It's actually an IPA that is brewed with the base malts of a lager. Oh, So this one, so, I mean, I've just said which style style they were, so you already know the second one is stronger, Mm -hmm. but by you know a good it's it's 50 percent stronger so this one is about six six point three percent as the first one's about four point three percent what we did is we tried to flip the expectations by taking an ipa hop build and then putting in a lager base to it this is sneaky i think sometimes you drink a beer that has a higher alcohol content a lot of times it's you can tell right right away this one Definitely can't tell. It would be hard to, honestly, in my opinion, but this is, you know, and, and, you know, I've tried all of our beers all the time. It would be hard for me to tell which one of these two beers you just tried is stronger, even yep. though one of them is about 50% stronger. And that's, you know, that's the fun of it for us is to be able to play with expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, people have been brewing beer for as long as written records of humanity have been around. Um, one of the first, I think, written records of all things was a recipe for beer. So we we believe that it's time to just start playing with expectations here. This is this is truly an IPA that drinks like a lager, and the other one's a lager that drinks like an IPA. And for me, I like them both. 
It's great. I, I think maybe the dry, it's, it's definitely dry. Maybe the dryness kind of helps to kind of cover up some yes. of the extra alcohol. And, and you know what? The reason for that, and that's an amazing call out. I'm glad that you uh, brought that up, is because we really like to use the dry hopping technique. So dry hopping and double dry hopping are, are gaining real popularity in the brewery scene, but a lot of folks don't really know what that is. And so if you'd like, I can give you a little, little quick science lesson. So I've already said... Yes about how we're all about life science normally but yeah, today we got a brewery science i like yeah, it well i mean technically there's living organisms in this that are completing the task of making this from you know going from malts into booze so there's life there's life that went into this so as i previously mentioned about how long you boil hops versus not is going to add more of the bitterness versus less bitterness and more flavors the reason that this beer the second beer um tastes drier, but at the same time is stronger, is because we utilize um, dr double dry hopping technique in this. And what that means is you, in general, when you make an IPA, you boil a lot of the hops, and that releases a lot of the oils. We put this, the hops, the majority of the hops in this beer in, once the beer is already completed, they're actually thrown in, in a, a bag, dry, and they soak in the beer which doesn't release the oils and the bitterness. It only releases the flavor and aroma, which allows you to have that really dry flavor while also having uh, the high ABV percentage without the bitterness. I love it. It's very crispy. It's perfect for a day like today. Yep. Um, that one really threw me for a loop. I, it, it was so crispy and dry that I was like, maybe this is just a rice lager, but... It was more hoppy. That's a great it. call. No, that's that's a fantastic call because of the body of the beer is definitely based off a of lager. 100% correct there. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I had to run over and have this as a surprise yeah. because <laughs> the, the fact that you guessed the first beer as a lager made me rethink my entire strategy here. So uh, thank you all. She, for <laughs> she had it just based on looks alone. So. Oh, well, I mean. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Can you tell I love beer? Yeah. Well, you know. That's good. Gosh, if I switched these glasses again, I mean, it would be difficult for me it, to even It know. would be hard. It's good, that you, it's good that you brought a different glass out yeah. so we could tell well, apart. Right. Otherwise, like, they'd be identical twins. Oh, I finished. Or, and then you're saying, oh, I finished my lager. Wait a second. That was an IPA. Right. Very cool. Well, fantastic. So, honestly, folks. What I've got for the the last little bit of this is something is something real special for for you both. It's something completely different, and you'll be able to tell what it is right away. And this is going to be our 18 month bourbon barrel aged electric feel. So we collaborated with Dark Horse Coffee and threw these into bourbon barrel age um, about 18 months ago. Well, it was released about a month ago, so it's been about 19 months that these have been aging. And we've got the Ethiopian cold brew from Dark Horse and Madagascar vanilla beans. And this one right here, I'm not going to tell you how strong it is until you drink a little bit of it. And then if you start to drink a lot of it, I'll let you know. It's probably pretty high ABV. It's, 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 it's been sitting in there for a little bit. The fact that you brought out such a small cup tells me that I should be like ready for something that a little bit stronger. Yes. Very good. So, mm. So this one right here is definitely a little bit of a dessert from mm. what we've just been experiencing. All right, so this one's very dark in color. It's kind of got like a... More uh, like gasoline. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, right. There's a, there's a certain viscosity to it. It kind of looks um, like a Guinness a little bit with yes. the, a little bit of the, the head on it or the foam on it and the, the color. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. The classic tan-colored foam. Cheers, Cheers folks. man. So, oh, yeah, it's got that. You're right. It's got the tan-colored foam on the top. It's dark and pours like gasoline. Um, and in a way, it is gasoline for the human body. It's got the <laughs> caffeine in it. It's got a lot of coffee. This is lighter than expected somehow. It, it's balanced. Very yeah. well balanced. Usually mm. other similar beers that I've tried at least. Well, I have a hard time with them because you taste all you taste is the alcohol, it seems right. like. This has got a nice balance to it where you don't, it the alcohol doesn't stand out quite as much. Well, I sure appreciate you saying that. So then I will reveal this is 12%. Okay. Um, so about triple triple a Guinness. Well, and it comes in a really fancy bottle with, a, with some wax on the top. So I figured it must be that's a how higher, you know it's, higher yeah, that's alcohol. How you know, sorry, we're sealing it so the kids well, can't easily in like a, break into a 12 or 16 ounce bottle and it looks like it's special. That means that it's doing something. If you're smart enough to get into the bottle, you're old <laughs> enough to drink it. Is I mean, no, that's not our legal policy. Like we don't do that. But that's the safety that's seal. My, is the yeah, wax. That's a, it's a safety <laughs> seal. So, yeah, this one right here, we've been waiting a long time for mm -hmm. it to come out, and I couldn't think of a better time to share it with some folks That's great. than sitting here with you all. Thank you. So, yeah, Thank this you. is a, a special treat that is currently only available. In fact, the way that it shook out, all three of the beers that you all had are only available currently here at the, at the tasting room. Um, the Broken Record was, uh, was sent out and immediately... Um, sold out. So yeah, but if nice. anyone wants to try it fresh, y'all can uh, come on down to the tasting room right down here in Miramar. Well, that's great. It's hard. That's a what a great little pitch. I mean, this is an awesome location, awesome venue, really fun atmosphere. Got some great beers, a lot of variety. I think Thank you, you. When when we were talking earlier, you were kind of saying that there's that a lot of breweries in the area tend to do things in a really similar way, and you guys kind of take a really unique approach, not only right. to the beer but also to like the feel of the brewery itself. Right. So the way that we like to, honestly, we, we have a philosophy called the third friend. And what that means to us is that no matter what, you could pick another friend and go to all the same places and enjoy all the same things. The second you involve a third friend, maybe his name is Steve. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But, uh, you know, my friend's name is you, Steve. You must have a third yeah, friend yeah. Steve. I've got a third friend. And, um, you know, you can't go to all the same places at all the time. So what we like to think of is we're a little bit different. Um, if you if you come down here to Miramar, you know, you might find a lot of places that have more than half of their lineup be IPAs. You might find more than half the places that are all playing Leonard Skinner right now. You might find that those overlap a lot. I just would like to say, I guess is my closing argument for coming down here and hanging out like we are right now, is that right now we're playing what it seems to me like I'm pretty sure that I listened to the Spice Girls earlier and later we'll be playing Electro <laughs> and uh, we're playing a lot of fun stuff on the stereo and we're serving a lot of fun beers um, and we try and defy the expectations of what the brewing industry has been for the last little while. We're just trying to do something a little bit different for the, the, the folks out there who want to try something a little bit different. So that's us. We emboldened ourselves to make a change in the brewing industry, and uh, that's kind of what we're about overall. You, you were able to work the word emboldened in the Bam, in I waited until the very end, too. <laughs> very good. You know what? You got to love it when, like, it's a Netflix show, and they say the title of the show in, like, the first episode. <laughs> I waited until like, oh, the last that's how they episode. Named it. Yeah, that's how they, right, right, right. That's how they named it. So, um Yes, that's actually is why we named it that. Yeah. And, um, you know, ultimately, we're we're very happy with that fact that 
you know, trying something different. These times are different. Everything's been different um, in the year leading into us opening and definitely in the years since. So we're really happy to be part of just a growing conversation around beer and life and community and just having fun. So, you know, we're here for uh, for now and for the future. I love awesome. it. Well, I love it too. Can I ask you a question about this Absolutely, here? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so what are the, the bourbon barrels that you used? So we use uh, Cutwater. So Cutwater Spirits, okay. another shout out. I'm getting a lot of shout outs in and I'm very happy <laughs> about this. And this one I didn't even do on purpose. Yeah, so um, Cutwater is our neighbor. Everyone from there are great folks. They've been so kind to us. They've been fantastic, um, just helping the industry. Mm-hmm. They're just great people to know. And their bourbon barrel warehouse, and, and well, not just for bourbon barrels, but a lot of their barrels are bourbon barrels, is in our parking lot um, just adjacent. So there's a white building that you all can see, but no one on, uh, on the, you know, listening will be able to. There's a white warehouse that is right here, and we can just drive a forklift over. Um, and mm-hmm. if, you know, they have barrels and we need barrels, we always t- chat with Cutwater first. And their products are fantastic. Their team is fantastic. And I think that at the end of the day, when we collaborate like this, it turns out the way that we'd love to see. Absolutely. Appreciate you asking that. that. That's great. It's delicious. And nice way to work in another, uh, you know, nice neighbor you guys have. Yes. We're we're really fortunate. I mean, we've been been really fortunate. If it wasn't for uh, the amazing industry that we're in and the location um, that we're at, you know, there's a chance that we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So, you know, we're really thankful for all the folks who have been carrying the battle standard for all these years, you know, being collaborative and letting another, you know, another young company play in the sandbox. And it really means everything to us. That's great. Awesome. Well, Andy, this has been awesome. We really appreciate you like letting us come and, and hang out at your brewery and, and introducing us to some of these awesome beers you guys are making. So thank you. Well, we sure appreciate y'all being here. Yeah. All right, so so Jerome, now that we're you know we've had a couple of beers in front of us, not that we've had a couple of beers, but we've got them in front of us. Um, <laughs> I want to get into a little bit about your background and want to hear about your company and what you've got going on moving forward. But I think, like as I just said, the best place to start would be great to know about where it all started for you and kind of your back, your personal background before you got to where you are now. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a cancer biologist by training. I got my. PhD at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So I did spend, end up spending 10 years in go the Midwest. Go Badgers. Yeah, go Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> they are very proud of their sports teams over there. It's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite the sight to see. Um, so yes, I got my PhD there. Uh, I did a short postdoc, and then I led research on clinical development at a small but publicly traded uh, therapeutics company leading research and clinical development. I think I already just said that. I think those beers are getting to me, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, the underlying technology uh, for the company, uh, it did come out of my PhD. So the, the underlying technology is microfluidic in nature. I started working with the microfluidics group at the UW around 2008. And the initial problem we were trying to solve at the time was um, we were only able to characterize about half of the patient cancer patient biopsies that would come to us. And it had to do with tumor cell yield. Um, It just wasn't yielding enough for us to be able to characterize these biopsies with conventional methods. So we teamed up with the microfluidics group, took us three and a half years, and then we finally had a design that would work. So it's been quite the road to to get to Lynx Biosciences. Um, After about a year and a half at the therapeutics company, 
Um, the therapeutic is now about to go into phase two and phase three, pivotal clinical trials. So it's nice to see something you were involved in early on, find some success. But then uh, our technology had gotten some more validation, felt it was ready. We had some grant funding. So in late 2017, we spun out Lynx Biosciences and then we relocated to Sunday San sunny San Diego. That's great. And I have a couple of follow-up questions to that, I guess. So the so when you when you started doing your research and you started to have make some progress, did you think that it would lead to you forming a company, or what? Where did you where did you kind of expect your research and the effort to lead? Honestly, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, I uh, you and I were talking about this earlier. I'm so glad that especially in San Diego, there's so much more efforts, organizations around that support academic scientists looking at additional career paths. For example, starting a startup or joining a startup. Um, these are all really exciting avenues and uh, they weren't as prevalent when I was a grad student. So I really thought I, I would grow up to be an academic PI, run my own lab, and that's how I would be able to do my own autonomous research. So I had no idea, but fortunately, the head of the microfluidics group that I teamed up with, he was a serial entrepreneur. Many of his students became entrepreneurs themselves. So I had a very good mentor who showed me that there's uh, another way that you can continue to do your own work and build your own team. And without him, I don't think Linksbio would exist today. That's, that's amazing. And um, so to go back to what you just said, one thing I know that you just recently did, you were actually, you, you kind of came from humble beginnings, I guess, where you didn't know that you were going to start a business and, and have this grow into uh, a company that's, that's trying to do really exciting things. So to go from that point to then, uh, just last week, I think you were on a panel where you're trying to give advice to people that maybe you were in your shoes six or seven or, you know, years ago. What, what was that like? Because, I mean, the organization Nucleate here in town um, is doing some really interesting things. And I think you said that they weren't, like, there was nothing like that when you were a grad student. So how did that feel to be able to maybe give back a little bit to, to people that were in your, your shoes uh, back then? Absolutely. I love being part of panels like that or helping out with those types of organizations because uh, uh, I, I love being able to talk to new early stage budding scientists and um, they're, all, they're all so eager uh, to, to talk and um, they, I love discussing these things with them. And it does make me reflect back on our journey to where we are now. It's a good reflection to do that because it does make me think through everything that we accomplished, um, none of which would be possible without our team. There were certainly many ups and downs, um, just like Andy was speaking to earlier. Uh, his, Embolden is also considered a startup, I would say, in the beer industry. And everyone knows in startups, there's always ups and downs. And uh, it always goes up, though. Yeah. Yep. So, and then how, you, you mentioned that you were in Wisconsin and you chose to relocate to San Diego. You, you, had, you could have relocated anywhere. What, 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 how did you choose San Diego? Sure. Um, so we knew we wanted to move to a, uh, a place that had a critical mass of biotech. And in the U.S., that's, that's really about three places, Boston, the Bay Area, here in San Diego. And I've, I've been in all three places. I, I actually adore all three places. They're very different. And 
San Diego won out because uh, we felt a sense of community here that um, we didn't quite get from the other places. Uh, it may be because we're, we weren't coming out of an institution in Boston, you know, we weren't from there. The Bay Area was definitely another option, but uh, we got into JLab San Diego here, as well as EvoNexus, another accelerator. We got to know some of the folks in the community and it just, it has a collaborative atmosphere. There's so many other folks in biotech and startups who are just so willing to give you their time. There's folks that I've been able to meet here who I would have never dreamed I would be able to meet and far less just grab a coffee with and be able to pick their brain. Uh, so this has been a wonderful experience. Um, and you can't, I know everybody talks about the weather, but man, I can't live anywhere else now. I, I'm originally from Southern California, so this helps. Okay. But um, yep, the weather, can't beat it. Well, and I think, you know, I've, uh, I've got family members and friends that have lived in other parts of the country. And in, in Seattle, it comes to mind as a place maybe that has some opposites to this. It's a beautiful city, but, but the weather makes it a little harder to go out and be social and do things outside. And I feel like the weather, as much as it's just one little element of it, I think it, it bleeds into other parts of living here because... You end up with a happier community and people that want to go outside and do things and be more social. And it, it just seems like be, that, that element of San Diego, I think, is, is really valuable. That's a really good point that you make. Uh, we definitely don't lack for the opportunity to be outside and, and just be able to be with each other, um, especially the last few years during the pandemic. We could always be outside. Uh, so this, was, this has been really great. I didn't really think about that aspect. You're yeah. absolutely right. We can always get together. We can always be outside. There's nothing keeping you inside in San Diego. I mean, 12 months out of the year, you can you can go down, you can go outside, you can go to a brewery, you can go to the beach. Given you know, maybe aside from the six or seven days that we get rain, but um, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind just a little bit more rain. I think most people we need more rain. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's a good that's a good background. So you started Lynx Bio. Mm -hmm. Would love to hear about the formation of the company and kind of what what you guys are working on, where you're at currently. Absolutely. Uh, so I mentioned that uh, we relocated the company here to San Diego. Um, that was in 2018. The technology and the company has really evolved since then. Uh, the technology when we first started, the only readout we had was um, uh, fluorescence microscopy. And since then, it's become fully multi-omic in nature. By that, I mean we employ multiple types of omics readouts or very high-content readouts. So now our primary readouts include uh, high-content imaging, proteomics, and downstream RNA sequencing. So all of these are derived from the very same cells. Um, what we use it for is in the field of immuno-oncology drug discovery and development. Uh, right now, we partner with uh, several uh, biopharma companies who are developing these types of therapeutics, and we help them in their discovery and development efforts. Uh, one of our goals is to actually uh, build out our own internal pipeline as well. And so that's really exciting. But the big thesis of our company is data. We generate a lot of data with this technology. It generates both known biology as well as now new biology that has not been generated previously. What that allows us to do is perform hypothesis-driven work. Um, so we let the data go first and we let that drive the hypotheses. Um, and then from there, we can start to make new discoveries that have not been able to be made before. Interesting. So you just mentioned that you've formed some partnerships with larger kind of bio, biotech or biopharma companies. How, did, how does that come about? Because do you guys 
for, in my walk of life, that kind of thing would come about from having a sales team that does <laughs> is making outbound calls and trying to recruit like the right you know, relationships. And it can be a needle in a haystack, or needle in a haystack kind of an approach to trying to find the right partnership. How did that come together? That's that's a big thing that a lot of like younger companies have a hard time navigating. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it takes perseverance. It took us to land our first. It took us about a year and a half from first conversations to start of the collaboration. And there were a lot of lessons learned, who to talk to, who are the right folks to talk to, even within the same biopharma organization. If you talk to the wrong person or the wrong group, it may not move forward. So there's multiple opportunities within the same organization. So main message is don't give up because uh, you'll get there, but it takes a lot of perseverance. The good news is once you get the first one, especially as you start to get data, then the other folks see that you have some credibility, you've built some validation, you have a partner. It starts to move a lot more seamlessly after that, but it still takes a lot of perseverance, um, but it is very well worth it um, once you're able to get that over to the finish line and start a collaboration like these. Yeah, I'm, that's no small feat, I'm sure. So, and it's, you're right. It's like I think I'm, it's not like any other industry where getting the first like, enterprise client is the biggest or the biggest, the first large partner is like so hard to do. But then once you get one, it's easier to kind of tip a couple more over because they, they don't want to be the first one maybe to go. But once they, they know that someone else is doing it, they're, they're willing to jump in as well. Yeah. So where is the company today and what, what does the next like five to 10 years look like in your mind? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we want to execute well on those current collaborations. We have a few more that are in discussions right now that are getting close to execution and start of new collaborations as well. So we'll keep building on those. Um, we are staying focused with the types of collaborators, um, collaboration projects that we take on. It's not just a source of revenue for us. We want to make sure that it can enrich our own internal efforts, which are to move towards building out our own internal pipeline of therapeutics as well. Yep. We're in very early stages for this. Uh, however, it's, it's very exciting because um, our technology, it's, uh, we always knew what it could be capable of. A year ago, we were still in the validation stages to prove that we can do what we say we can do. Now that's done. And now our partners are moving on to the next phase of, we believe you, we know your technology can do what you, know, you say you can do. So let's move on to uh, asking some new biological questions and use the technology and leverage it for the next uh, generation of therapeutics. So next big thing for us is, well, build out that internal pipeline, but raise our next Series A okay. round of funding to be able to scale up and um, be able to fund those efforts. Yeah. So how many employees, how many, how big is the team at Lynx? Uh, we're about 20 people. Okay. Yeah. So decent sized team. Yeah. With, the, with, the, with the fundraising, would you hire, would you add to staff or hire more people or would oh, the good money go into... Yeah. It's, uh, we, we've absolutely got to scale, uh, even with more collaborations, although that brings in additional revenue. It still uh, requires additional effort, additional folks. So uh, even just for the collaborations, we need to additionally scale. But since now we are turning our efforts inward as well for our own internal development, we need to begin building out the, the drug discovery and development team. The type of data we produce is very unique to us. 
There's no commercial software that can integrate these types of data together. So we are building our own software to do that, and it'll just get more and more complex. Um, so one of the uh, use of funds will be to build out a data sciences team as well. Interesting. That's great. With the fundraising effort, does, I mean, do you feel like it's easier to get uh, to, to generate interest or to kind of connect with investors because you're in J Labs? Does that help? I'd just be curious to know what the fundraising approach is. Do you is it a lot of personal like a lot of outreach where you guys are doing? Again, kind of outbound efforts to try to get in people to pay attention, especially in this environment where it's become more difficult maybe than it was to, to raise money for a lot of companies, at least. Be curious to get your take on what that effort feels like. Yeah, J Labs is very supportive. They have a good network uh, of investors and they, they've always been very supportive of helping portfolio companies connect with those investors. For us, and we know from, from other companies as well, it's always good to best to get a warm introduction to investors you may not have spoken with previously. And fortunately, uh, we have a good network of folks around us who are very supportive, who have been able to facilitate really great introductions. So the next step is really up to us and making sure that we can relay the message and the vision of the company well enough to, to get folks to, to believe in us and uh, believe that we're going to achieve that vision. But it's, it's definitely an interesting environment. There's a lot of unknowns, and I think the investors also have some unknowns. If you focus too much on what might happen, what might negatively happen, I think that can really cripple you. Yep. Uh, so we go out hoping for the best and expecting the worst. So we're prepared. Yep. You know, we do fortunately have good... Uh, partners and revenue, so that it's, it's unlikely the company will go under. But really, the, the additional investment is to help the company scale and to more rapidly grow. Uh, we don't want to just keep going at a slow, steady pace. We want to explode. Um, so that's what the next uh, set of funding is for. That's exciting. How yes. much money are you trying to raise? Uh, we are looking to raise about 30 to 40 million. Okay. A little bit will depend on uh, what the current market seems like yep. 30 million will be the minimum. We're always happy to raise more. We're never going to turn down extra money. Sure. Uh, because that'll only help the company grow. 30 to 40 million sounds like a giant amount of money, but in the life science world, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of normal, right? I mean, it's, is it, does, it, does it seem hard to believe that that's the amount of money? Because for an individual, 30 to 40 million is like life-changing. You're retiring, you're going to like, buying an island and you're, you're out of here. But for a life science company, it's just kind of just a way to get it, get started almost. You're right. Right now, it seems normal to be raising this kind of money. But uh, that panel that I was on recently made me think back to our original roots, where we came from. Back then, I remember thinking $5 million was a lot of money and like really hoping that we could get that amount. And, uh, and now it's just on to the next. I remember telling my parents... Um, you know, about our first few funding rounds and their eyes just bugging out. And I bet. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's not actually that much. This is considered a small round. <laughs> and uh, to other people, I think they just have a completely different perspective. So, yes, I think we, we get a little... Um, Immune is not the word I'm looking for, but... Uh, Num maybe a little numb to it. Yeah. Where the numbers yeah, aren't but, quite as shocking after you've been in that world for a while and you see some of the fundraising successes of companies around you, I'm sure, where you see in some cases 100 million plus, 
Absolutely. And that's just for to f- fund them for a couple of years. It's not like a permanent amount of money. It's like that's that gets them to the next milestone. And so it's, it's I crazy. think to your point, it, it's the numbers. It's almost you know like other parts of the world, like with real estate too, where home values and real estate prices have gotten to a point where you you almost stop pretending like it makes any sense, and you're just ignoring the numbers and just trying to raise as much cash as you feel like you need for your company to get to the next phase. Absolutely. I do think it's important to always stay humble though and take a step back and think about how fortunate we all really are to be able to even think about this as a norm for us because we really are in a certain niche, right? And uh, the rest of the world is, is not necessarily as fortunate. So it's good to stay humble. Yeah, agreed. We've talked about San Diego a little bit. We'd love to know if there's anything else uh, that you want to share about just the San Diego life science ecosystem and the support network that you've kind of become a part of from both sides. You've, you've been supported as you've grown and now you're providing support to some of the younger people that are trying to come up in the same industry. I think it's mainly about that collaborative atmosphere. I found some of the other areas to be a bit more cutthroat. I like the energy that it brings. Everyone's hustling, they, they want to be part of a startup. Uh, but I did find it a little more competitive. And uh, while competition is great, um, here I found that even if there's other startups who are in a similar field, they, they're so willing to sit down with you, share their own experience or feedback. Uh, I, I've never been in an environment so, so collaborative and so supportive. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. And I mentioned before, there are folks that I would have never dreamed of not only meeting, but just casually saying, well, let's just get a coffee. And uh, I've had so many of those experiences here that I just, I doubt that I would have been able to um, anywhere else. San Diego is special. And maybe it is just that sunshine. It makes everybody feel happy and wanting to, to be nice. <laughs> I think everybody feels lucky to an extent to be here for sure. So maybe that's what it is. But um, that's great. That's a great take on it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's it. So again, Shrome, this has been so much fun. We've got a bunch of undrank. Uh, we've got like too many glasses with too much beer left over on the table here. But And it's getting warm too. It's so getting we gotta warm. Drink it's them hot. Quickly. You're right. We better move quick here. Um, <laughs> but this has been really fun to connect with you and catch up and learn about what you're doing and what the company's doing. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Biotech and Breweries podcast. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app. For more information or to suggest a guest, please visit biotechandbreweries.com. <laughs>